It's draft day, where the final mock drafts and expert opinions put the Big Ten's top prospects. Plus, Big Ten women's basketball schedule came out for this year. Who is going to have the toughest go of it come this winter? Jacob Rood's in. We'll talk to him about all of it. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten alongside Jacob Rood, the host of Locked On Hoosiers. I'm Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking women's basketball here on the program. NBA draft talk. Starting things off, though, of course, here on draft day. A whole lot of Big Ten representation going to be at the actual event. Even more going to be heard. They're going to be having their names heard over the course of the evening here, Jacob. As we go through these 60 picks, let's start at the top. And Jaden Ivey, at least in my mind, and I'm pretty sure by just about everyone's standards, is going to be the first Big Ten player taken off this board. I've said it since a little while now, for a little while now, and I think over the last week and a half or so, I've really started to make it clear on this show. I think he is a lock at number four. No way he goes any sooner. No way he goes any later. I think it's a bigger question of who's going to be picking there. Do you have any sort of disagreements with that kind of an assessment just based really my end of it on what I've seen from other people? I've had this belief for a while that he could be a top three pick even, but it seems pretty obvious at this point that he's going to be in that four spot. Yeah, there's definitely a kind of a tier system to this uh, to this draft. The the top three seem to have pretty clearly separated themselves, and then I think that second tier, Jaden Ivey, has been the top of it for a while. He may even just be in a tier of his own because, as you said, I think he's pretty clearly the number four pick uh, tonight. And as you said, it's a matter of who's going to be there. Uh, it'd be interesting if it's Sacramento because they have a bunch of guards already, which is probably why um, they're fielding offers for the number four pick. Uh, but who would move up to get him? I'm not entirely certain. Uh, there's a there's a lot of fun scenarios. I mean, it'd be cool to see him back in Indiana or stay in Indiana, I guess. Uh, I mean, I know the Knicks have, have been rumored. It, that'd be fun as well. But Whoever it is that takes him, um, he's going to be the number four pick. And uh, it's exciting. I mean, he was really, really good last season. Um, and he was just a fun player to watch, with, which I hate admitting because he was a Purdue guy. But I did thoroughly enjoy watching him play basketball. Yeah, I said it. I think it was earlier this week on the show, too. And I don't want to be recycling too much, but it's just I think that with him at that pick, he also becomes immediately the first attainable thing that people in those slots, like what an Indiana is, are going to be able to say, okay, maybe we can trade up into this. So Sacramento, I think, is open to making the deal, of course. That's been established. But at the same time, I feel like they're going to be able to pick up maybe even more than whatever the market value is for a number four pick. Because I really do feel like there's a good amount of teams here who think that Jaden Ivey is just as good, if not going to be better than what those top three picks are in this NBA draft. Again, we said at the top that Jaden Ivey, I think at least, is slotted into number four. He will not crack that top three. But 
I don't think that means that he's not going to be that kind of a player. It's just whatever the pre-draft process has done has determined that those three guys are going to go top three. But then when you get to Ivy, you get to a guy who, one, looks apart already with what he does as a basketball player, but also I think a lot of people, again, have been labeling him as someone who is like, he's a popular pick to be, okay, this could be the best player out of this NBA draft who isn't the top player picked here. He's that kind of a guy who just, I think, intrigues a lot of teams, a lot of fan bases. And again, whoever is going to end up with him, uh, I think is going to get someone who's going to contribute right away. But at the same time, you get that kind of belief in this kind of a prospect that, he can legitimately be the best guy out of this class. There aren't that many picks where you can really go into it saying that without having seen him play at all. Yeah. And that a point you made is a a thing that struck me during the season is he looked NBA ready this season Mm -hmm. playing for Purdue. There was uh, the second half against IU when they made their kind of big comeback. It was just him getting to whatever spot that he wanted And whether it was a a mid-range jumper, whether it was a three-pointer, whether it was getting to the rim and finishing with dunks or layups or whatever it was, he could do whatever he wanted. And so, I I mean, I came away from that game just thinking like, damn, he is going to, he's going to, whatever team he's going to land on, as you said, he's making an impact right away. He's going to come in, he's going to almost certainly start from day one, wherever that is. And he's a guy that can... um, be a top option kind of right away uh, for whatever team is going to select him. So uh, there were points during the season where uh, I didn't keep a really close eye, but I know he was kind of in the mix among the Jabari Smith, Holmgren, Bonchero group and uh, or Boncaro. And so like, I don't think it's too outlandish to say like he could be the best player in this draft. It's just, as you kind of said, when the pre-draft process comes about, these, I don't want to say narratives necessarily, but kind of these trends kind of develop. And um, Ivy just hasn't really been considered anywhere in that top three, even though, like I said, I really like him. I think in, a, in kind of the modern NBA, that's kind of this guard-driven, wing-driven um, type of league. I know he's only 6'4", but he's a type of guy that's going to be able to create his own shot um, and that's valuable in this, in the league. And he's going to be someone that can contribute right away. So I really like him. And again, whether it's the Kings, I don't know about that fit really at all, but uh, if it's the Pacers, if it's the Knicks, if it's the Spurs, if it's the Wizards, whoever it ends up being, he's going to step into whatever team that is and be a, a scorer from day one. Let's move on to the next tier of Big Ten players. Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, and I'll throw Malachi Branham in there too. He's going to be there in the room on draft day. As you look at that three, where do you order them as far as just what they are as prospects? Not even just where you think they go so far yet here tonight on draft night. I would have Keegan Murray kind of the top of that group. Um I mean, as I just said, it's kind of a a wing-driven league now. Um, You just kind of want these positionless guys that are 6'8 and can do a number of different things. That's kind of what Keegan Murray is, a 6'8 guy that can step out and score and and can knock down outside shots, can play inside a little bit. So um, I think he's just kind of the perfect fit for 
the modern NBA, I might actually have him as like the, the number five prospect right behind Jaden Ivey. I really um, was impressed with him. Uh, I didn't watch him a ton last season, but every time I did see him, he kind of popped off the screen as a, a guy that just looked like someone that would be in the NBA. Johnny Davis, I would have probably next. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of his role in the NBA and what he's able to do. Um, a, a little bit undersized, though. He's still bigger than or taller than Jaden Ivey, so um, not too undersized. But it's just going to be interesting to see what type of role he has. Uh, I still think he's probably a lottery pick. And then Malachi Branham, again, just kind of this perfect wing guy that um, showed a lot in his freshman year at, at Ohio State. I know IU fans are probably glad to see him gone. He dropped um, 30-something points on IU. Um, in late in the season when IU was needing wins 27 points but I think most of those were in the the second half so uh he's a a, a dynamic scorer and again just has that size of a, a wing 610 wingspan uh is going to be valuable but I I would have Keegan Murray really high up there um then Johnny Davis and then Branham is probably the the next best guy from the Big Ten I wouldn't disagree with you I wouldn't be surprised if Branham jumps one of them maybe Johnny Davis I guess is the more likely one but I think Branham at least in my head I've been kind of a little bit biased as to how he started the season on draft boards like end of the first round kind of a guy somebody who I didn't think maybe even would commit to the NBA draft when he started this process now he's going to be there on draft day so I feel like I might be getting blindsided a little bit and he may go even higher than what I look at him as right now which is like a fringe kind of lottery guy I think maybe somebody even takes a risk risk and reaches even higher for him but we'll see what happens here Uh, aside from those guys though and then you have Bryce McGowan who's going to be somewhere in like the middle of the 60 picks the Big Ten then brings a bunch of players to the table who are borderline either Mm going to get drafted at the end as maybe some sort of stash away. Let's make sure we get him instead of having to sign him as an undrafted free agent when it could go anywhere into guys who are going to go undrafted and then sign free agent deals to do whatever it is they're going to do with teams afterwards. Plenty of guys who are going to get NBA shots, but as far as who could actually get drafted versus who may actually get left off the list, there's a long list of names. We, Went over Kofi Coburn, uh, Travion Williams is on that list too. Caleb Houston out of Michigan. There's a lot of players kind of going into this night in limbo here out of the Big Ten. Players who were stars, All-Americans even. Where do you think those guys end up falling if they get picked at all? It's interesting. The Big Ten might be hurt uh, as much as any kind of conference by there being two fewer draft picks this year. The two mm-hmm. teams had to forfeit draft picks due to tampering uh, last offseason. So as you said, there's a number of guys, Houston, Ron Harper Jr. is kind of in that mix, yeah. Travion Williams that are, are would be near the end of that. Um, I would I, I think someone like – I mean, really, once you get to around 40, 45 in a draft, it, it's just kind of anybody's guess. Um, Houston is going to be someone that I would imagine – teams are going to love kind of his NBA body and the, the size he has as a, a six, eight wing. Um, even if he struggled last season, you always kind of have belief that you're going to be the one to turn him around. 
Same kind of with Ron Harper Jr. as a, another wing. Um, he very much has the wingspan to, to play um, out there on the wing. He knocked down some huge shots last year um, and solid three-point shooter with that wingspan. It's going to be interesting to me to see if Travion Williams is drafted. I, I like the idea of like there's a lot of holes in his game, but he might be the best passer in this draft. And just the idea of knowing that the, the prospect you draft has one really elite skill, um, it's enticing to me. So I wonder if NBA teams will think the same because he's just such a unique prospect. You don't normally get 6'9", 265-pound guys that, uh, with 7'2 wingspans that are the best passers in the draft. Uh, it's such an odd combination. He was such a fascinating player to watch. Um, so he's the one that's, I, I'm kind of most interested to see where he lands, uh, because if he lands in the right spot, um, he would be a ton of fun to watch play. I mean, you think golden state just won the title with how much kind of off ball movement that they have putting a guy like Travion Williams kind of at the top of the key and letting him pass to cutters and things like that. You could see that, that fit making sense. So, um, he's the one that I, I'm kind of most interested in to see what team either drafts him or, or signs him as an undrafted free agent. You mentioned when you get to those later picks, it really can be all about just having that one thing that somebody's really interested in. And Travion Williams has at the very least one of those things with that ability to pass the basketball. I'd argue a lot of those guys have some of those things. And Ron Harper Jr. Who's already said like when he gets into the NBA, he'll get into NBA shape and then teams are going to be, wishing they had drafted him in the first round. So uh, there's all sorts of kind of interesting storylines and hitches with guys like that. I think especially coming out of this conference, partly because you, you get the exposure playing in this conference that I, I think will end up leading to these guys. If again, not getting drafted, every one of them is going to have at least some sort of shot to make it in the NBA to an extent or another. Uh, final note, Kofi Coburn, he's just a name that I feel like we need to mention again too, he, just because he's an All-American. And as he goes into this NBA draft, he's not someone I think gets drafted. And I, I think it really just becomes a, a maybe just like the purest testament we've had so far of what the game is now compared to what it was. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of his opportunity but like again he'll get a shot he'll go to a summer league somewhere but I don't see him playing NBA basketball yeah I mean that's kind of been the unfortunate part of kind of this modern age of of positionless basketball is that someone like Coburn who if he played in the the 90s or even into the early 2000s he would have a a 10-year NBA career but uh, because he's playing in 2022, uh, it's tough. I mean, I, I will say a lot of the teams that had success deep into the playoffs had big men, um, kind of more traditional big men playing, but they were a different makeup than what Coburn is. They were kind of these athletic guys that could hold their own out on the perimeter if they got switched defensively and then uh, were able to kind of attack the glass. Coburn's just so big and that just hasn't really been a strength of his that being said he's seven foot and he's going to get a shot like like you said he's going to play on a a summer league team I wouldn't be surprised if somebody uh, uses a two-way spot on him 
sees if they can get some three-point range out of him or something during the season. Uh, he's going to have a chance, but it's a pretty uphill climb, it looks like, for him uh, to, to kind of make it to regular NBA basketball. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you know Built Bar, you know that they're coming out with new flavors all the time, and there's a new one out for you here now, too, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. Now, if you've liked the Coconut Brownie flavored Built Bars before, you're going to love the new puff. It is the new Built Bar Puff design. Coconut Chocolate Brownie, Coconut Brownie Chunk. I can't even get it out all right. It's the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff wrapped around the new marshmallow that Built Bar has been putting out there in their puff bars. So it's 100% real chocolate wrapped around marshmallow with that coconut brownie chunk flavor that has been one of the most popular that Built Bar has out there. So if you're a fan of that or just a fan of the new stuff that Built Bar puts out, be sure to give it a try. It's two of the most popular things they've done recently in one big package. You can try it out at Built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. More coming up here with Jacob in just a minute, but first, one live NBA draft show is not enough for Locked On. The entire NBA channel is going live on draft night here tonight. So if you have a favorite NBA team, make sure you subscribe now to their Locked On YouTube channel so you get notified when they go live for the NBA draft. Again, it's not just one live draft show here from Locked On. All of our local experts going live here at once. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every single day of the week. Alongside Jacob Rude, host of Locked On Hoosiers, I'm Nate Dickinson. We talked last week about the uh, the men's basketball schedule that was released from the Big Ten. We don't know dates yet, but we know who's going to be playing who, how many times. And I mentioned then that we'd go over the women's side of things, too. They were released at the same time. We have Jacob here to take a bigger look at that women's schedule now here today. Jacob, before we get into the actual teams and who's playing who, I, I with a shorter schedule, an 18-game uh, Big Ten schedule, these teams are going to be playing less teams more often, if that makes sense. I'm trying to figure out how to exactly say it. There are fewer teams that each team's going to be playing twice. So at least in my head, that means that this news in particular means a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the this – this has been the first year it really uh, – maybe I just haven't paid attention to it as much, but it feels like it carries a little more weight uh, this year. And it kind of does in women's basketball too because there's more of a – kind of a – there's more – fewer good or bad teams, fewer good teams. Like there, there's a big gulf, I guess, is the way I should say it. Like the, there's the top of the top, and then there's a really big drop-off to everyone else. So uh, it matters more – how many times these top teams are going to be playing one another, where they're playing at things of that nature. And uh, so, yeah, this is, this is notable and uh, it it will have a a big impact on um, how this conference shakes out. Cause I mean, we saw last year, there was hardly anything separating the top five teams by the end of the year. And I don't know that it'll be quite as exciting this time around, but we saw how important it can be just last season. Remind us again the teams to look out for. I mean, uh, obviously, 
Big Ten made a lot of noise in the NCAA tournament last season, but you never know what, what that carryover means. So what are the teams that if you're looking at this schedule, you're trying to avoid? Yeah, so Iowa is obviously uh, probably the top team right there with IU. Um, those are kind of in a, a tier by themselves, I would say. Ohio State and Maryland are going to be there. Maryland had some turnover with transfers and whatnot. Last season, it was Michigan that was right up there with Nas Hillman. This year, uh, they're probably going to take a step back, but it's probably going to be Nebraska that steps in their place. Uh, so those five teams are typically the ones, if you look at the power rankings, uh, I know it's June, May, June. Uh, if you look at those, it's going to be those five teams that are going to show up a lot. So those are probably the five best teams. And like I said, there, there's a, a decent gap between that and kind of the rest of the league. So with that in mind, uh, who, who gets a little bit of an advantage here as far as who they have to play, who they don't have to play? Yeah, I mean, just taking a, a glance at it, honestly, IU has one of the more favorable schedules um, in terms of who they do and don't have to play. Among those five teams, um, well, I guess four teams that they're, they're going to play, IU plays Iowa twice, who obviously the best of the best. Um, and honestly, I kind of want that matchup twice. Like, it's going to be a, a really good game, and it's fun to see those top teams duke it out. Um, so they'll get Iowa twice. They'll get Ohio State twice. Uh, but then they only have Maryland and Nebraska once, and both those games are going to be at home. Um, there's a couple other uh, schools, Ohio State and Nebraska, each only play two of the other teams uh, home and away twice. Uh, but then they have home and away games. So basically, I use the only team that has a uh, only two, two of those teams they play home and away and then two home games as well. So it's a pretty favorable schedule for IU. Um, kind of the opposite to be said about Iowa, who uh, will play IU, Maryland, and Nebraska home and away, and then will play Ohio State away uh, as that fourth other team. So it's IU that seems to have caught the biggest break in the scheduling. How big is that gap between IU and Indiana, or Iowa and everybody else? It's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think right now the biggest thing that's going to separate it is just the top talent that IU and Iowa bring back. Um, Caitlin Clark, Monica Sonano, uh, Grace Berger, uh, Mackenzie Holmes are four of the, the very best players in the country, and they're going to they come back to those programs Everywhere else, Ohio State. I mean, honestly, Ohio State won the Big Ten regular season last year. It's hard. It's it's hard and kind of odd to not put them in that group. But it was such a an unexpected win for them, and I think for everyone. And um, and IU beat them in the the Big Ten tournament, and they didn't they they didn't have an awful showing, but it was just unexpected. So I, I think um, there's a little bit of a gap between those two Maryland. It's hard to tell because I mean, it's Maryland when it comes to women's basketball, but they did have a decent amount of turnover, had some, some top names leave in the transfer portal. So kind of coming into the season, I think there's a, a decent gap there. Uh, if Maryland kind of adapts and becomes the Maryland that we typically know uh, they could make a run and be right in there. And I mean, Ohio state last season won the big 10. So like they, they could pretty easily be there, but, I would say right now it's a decent gap um, with IU and Iowa versus Maryland, Ohio State, Nebraska. I would almost put a tier below uh, even those Maryland and Ohio State. They were kind of this fun, energetic team that uh, 
like this upstart team last year, a little bit more expectation this year, a little bit more known about them. It might be a little bit more challenging for them, but uh, overall, I think there's a, there's a pretty good gap between IU, Iowa, and everybody else right now. You mentioned IU plays teams at home. Big 10 women's basketball was kind of crazy all over the place last season. How much weight are you putting on a home court advantage, just given what we've seen? I guess it kind of depends on the venue as well. Uh, if you have strong support at home games, uh, it matters. And I mean, we saw Iowa last year selling out that arena multiple times. Um, IU is the same. They're really kind of on this upward trend in terms of fan support, hosting NCAA tournament games last year. They had some really big crowds. Um, I know Michigan had some really big crowds last year as well. Again, Maryland is Maryland. They've kind of built uh, a tradition of that. So they're going to, um, they're always going to have that big home support. So I think kind of with those programs, it, it matters more because you're going to have a, a big crowd, a loud crowd um, backing you. And I mean, going into an environment like that is going to be challenging for, um, for these, these programs. So um, it, it's not, that way for everybody, I would say, which is kind of unfortunate uh, because this has been a really exciting couple of seasons for Big Ten's women, women's basketball. But I mean, for your teams like your Iowa's, your IU's, your Maryland's, those top programs, it's tough to go on the road and win in College Park or win in Iowa. Um, and so for those games, I think it really does matter if you play them home and away. Well, what's the game of the year this season in Big Ten basketball? It would have to be IU and Iowa, and it's pick your choice, I guess, whether it's the one in Iowa or the one in Bloomington. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where that game is televised and, and if it's on primetime and things like that because, I mean, they Caitlin Clark is kind of a star, and they put Iowa on ABC during the NCAA tournament. I certainly don't expect that to happen for a regular season game, but – uh, I mean, these were two teams that played a lot last year. Iowa won every one of those, but uh, Kalen Clark's kind of this budding star, and uh, these are going to be two top, at the very least, two top 20 teams. Uh, maybe by the time they're playing in conference play, two top 10 or 15 teams. So um, it, it would be one of those two games, I would imagine, next season, uh, whether it's the one in IU, whether it's the one in Iowa. It's going to be interesting, too, because last season, uh, because of COVID, they played twice in three days. Uh, and so seeing kind of when those games come, if one of them comes at the end of the season, uh, those two teams are going to be battling for a Big Ten title. So if it's a game late in the season between those two teams, uh, I'm sure that one's going to be kind of circled as probably one of the or probably the biggest game of the year. You have to imagine that they'll make at least one of those in February at some point. It's going to be a whole lot of fun last season in women's basketball was a whole lot of fun too. Always fun talking to Jacob as well here on Locked On at Big Ten. Jake, we thank you again. Thank you again as always for joining the program. We'll talk to you again soon. As always. 
The first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have been made. Search now for the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked On NBA Big Board, and more. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen of the day. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Jacob Rood. And thanks for making us your first listen every weekday on everything you need to know in your sports. Before we wrap up the show today, a look around Big Ten news in the last day that you may have missed. We start with the Alliance, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 coming together to announce that they're going to make a year-long celebration out of the 50th anniversary of Title IX. It's going to be, of course, not the only thing that goes on with these conferences and schools, but one of the big, big things that they're at least announcing and putting together are some of these events, including the Big Ten Women's Leadership Summit starting today in Rosemont, Illinois. More than 75, according to the Big Ten, student-athletes, coaches, and administrators will be there just outside of Chicago at Big Ten offices going through, well, the Leadership leadership Summit. I'm sure we'll learn more about everything that they're going to be doing over the next couple of days. In other news, Northwestern's Jordan Rudd named NCAA Defensive Player of the Year. The Northwestern catcher has become the only Big Ten catcher in history to in her first three seasons be named All-Big Ten. Now she gets this national honor here as well. And also Jimmy Pitaro of ESPN says that he is still in talks with the Big Ten on media rights. There were some thoughts that maybe Big Ten and ESPN might be lessening their side of the agreement since the Fox side had already been figured out. But Pitaro saying at least there are still, of course, serious talks going on. We're going to find more about that media rights, whatever ends up happening with it, I think very, very soon. But again, that's more news when it comes. Finally, one more list to go over before we end the day. Tom Fornelli at CBS going over and under on win totals for Big Ten's football season. Just a rundown of the top teams in the Big Ten and his thoughts. He said over 11 wins for Ohio State, over 9.5 wins for Michigan, under 9 wins for Wisconsin, and over 8.5 wins for Penn State. Just a quick look at a list. Maybe we'll talk about it more tomorrow with Matt Sheehan, who will be on the show to wrap up the week. Until then, of course, Nate Dickinson with you here on Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and on YouTube, too. we got a show episodes going up on the page there as well. You can find us there and on wherever you listen to your podcasts at least three times a week here during the summer months, and then we'll be back to every day when the school year gets back going again. So until tomorrow, I'm Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten.